bit away, who's learned a bit, who's, you know, just, just sparked something inside of you to say, wow, I, maybe, maybe I can do something. Well, today I want to talk about creating culture. I love how Jesus, he, he walked this earth, and wherever he walked, culture didn't dictate. He dictated the culture. Wherever he walked, he created the culture in which he would walk in. I love that he would walk into a situation and where there was no hope, where there was no future, where there was nothing, where there was death, where there was no life, he would step into there and all of a sudden there'd be a spirit of faith and life would come. It was this time where he would just walk through and miracles would take place. Do you realise today that's how we're supposed to walk? Today, you and I are supposed to walk in, those, in that same faith, yeah. with that same culture that when we walk into a room, it's like God showed up himself. Whoa. Yeah. Can I say that? Well, I read it in my Bible. Yeah. And so today, I want to have a quick look at this. I, I love Jesus. He, he made this command. He said, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What has God called us, commanded us to do? To go into all the world and what? Make disciples. To go and bring his life, his hope, his future yeah. into a world that is hurting, that is barren. He says, go. And so I believe this with all my heart. We are called to create culture. Wherever we go, we are called to create culture. You know, today's culture is identified with individualism, self-gratification and moral relativism. Having my needs met is more important than meeting the needs of others. But Christ himself made that statement. If you follow my commands, then you are my friends. He, he made that commandment right there and he said, love each other as I have loved you. Greater wow. love has no one than this. He makes that statement. But, but you can see right there that God's culture and the world's culture are going to have a problem. Yeah. Right there, it is totally different. He's saying, you know what, it's time to lay your life down. Right. If you are my friend, it's time for you to be a little bit different. It's time for you to live a little bit different. It's time for you, if you truly call yourself my friend, then you will live out my commands. You know, when I look at Having my needs met is more important than meeting the needs of others. This is not the way that God calls us to live. He calls us to live a life of community, humility, and living as he commands. That's what he calls us to do. You know, as Christians, we should never react to culture. We should always create culture. We should always create culture. Is it if we're living out of a reactionary to what is going on around our world, well then I would have to ask, how close are you to God? 
You know, I love Martin Luther King Jr. He made this statement. He said, a genuine leader is not a searcher of consensus, but a molder of consensus. As Christians, we are called to be a molder. We are called to create. I look at as Christians, we are called to bring peace. We are called to bring faith, righteousness, trust, integrity, honour, servanthood. You know, the, the world you look at is, is all about position. It's all about me. Me and my needs, me and what I want. It's all about me getting to the top. Let me tell you, not everyone can sit at the top. But the kingdom is actually about servanthood. And, and let me hear, let, just hear me on this. Position is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just the motive behind why you want the position. Yeah. Yeah. If it's to serve those around you, well then, that's fine. Yeah. And so, when you look at these things, is that as a Christian, I, I believe that we are called to be a moulder of consensus. We are called to create culture, not react to culture. I look at the story of Jesus in Matthew 14, verse 13 to 14, and, and it, if we've got it there, it says that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitude place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns, and when Jesus landed and saw the large crowds, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I look at that verse, and you can look at that verse and see that Jesus, he just got into a boat. He, he had enough of the crowd. He just wanted some me time. He just wanted to meet his needs and gets into a boat, pushes off, and the crowd see, well, where is he going? We see he's going, so, okay, we're following. But, but if you know where this scripture fits, is that Jesus had just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. He'd lost his head. Who knows that's a bad day? Jesus is having a bad day. Don't you think he has time? Don't you think it's all in his right that he can get on a boat and just spend some time alone? He has that right, doesn't he? However, who knows that sometimes when you're in a bad situation, people don't know that. He's got a crowd, they're watching him, they're looking, they're, they're searching for him. He's in a boat, he's like, will you just give me some time? I just want to... And he pushes out and then all of a sudden he sees the crowd and he has compassion on them. I look at this story and I'm like, man, can you just leave the boy alone? Can you just leave him alone? Just give him some time to process but what I find is this, is that Jesus knew this statement, is that his cause was greater than his pain. He could have gone into a pity party for months. He could have mourned for weeks. But instead he looked out. He saw the cause. He had compassion upon them. And healed the sick and healed the sick. Is that Jesus, he could have reacted to his personal circumstances. He, he could have just gone into this place and just said, you know what, no, that's it. I'm out of this, God, no deal. No more. 
But instead, it was like, no, my cause is greater than my pain. How many of us in this building right now can say, your cause is greater than your pain? Your cause is greater than your pain. Jesus' cause was greater than his pain. Is that wherever Jesus went, he created the culture of faith. Wherever he went, there was this thing that went before him. It was like, you know what? No, no. This, I, I'm not going to have this pity party. I, I'm going to bring hope and life. I'm going to fight this culture with freedom and life. He had this cause, the purpose, governed how he was going to react to the situations around his life. The first thing that I find is this, is that in creating culture, it starts in prayer. Is that we, we look at Jesus, he, he pulls away. But I, I think that moment of pulling away, he was checking with the Father. Yeah. It, it wasn't a pulling away of, of leave me alone, but a pulling away of God, I need to lean into you right now right. so I know how yeah. to react in this yeah. situation. It was like, God, I'm feeling pain right now. This situation is beyond my control. I'm going to lean into you. Yeah. And that's how I believe that Jesus knew his cause was greater than his pain. Yeah. He knew the heart of the Father. In order for each and every one of us to set a culture that God wants us to set, we actually need to know the heartbeat of God. We actually have to be in tune with what God has for our lives and what he wants to see fulfilled. Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're not in a natural battle. We're in a supernatural fight. Uh, Martin Luther King makes this other statement. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. We need to come to a place where we find that place where we can just lean into God. When Jesus came to the cross, I believe this with all my heart, is that his fight wasn't on the cross, it was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was in that place of solitude where he was leaning in to God, his Father, and saying, God, right now, here I am. Lord, I know that this cause that you have me is that, I, that humanity will be saved. But God, right now, I'm finding it hard. Right now, I'm just finding this place. I, I'm not, I, my flesh is crying out. I, I don't know. He, you know. It's said that he was there. He was crying out. It was sweat, you know, drops of blood as he cried out in that place. But he comes to this statement, not my will, but your will be done. It was in the quiet place, in the place of solitude, where turmoil was rushing around, that he found the answers. He'd come back to the heart of the Father, the cause. We're in a spiritual battle. <laughs> and who knows? When you're in a spiritual battle, 
sometimes all hell breaks loose. Who knows? We're in that battle. The self-talk. When you're in that battle, the questions. When you're in that battle, but it's coming to a place where Jesus, he, he pulled away. He said, God, not my will, but your will be done. I, I believe there are people here today that are in that place. You've got situations going on around your life. There you, you're asking questions. You're like, God, you know, I, you know I, you've called me to be an influence. You've called me to do these things. You've called me to stand, but God, my, my life isn't quite right. The, the things around my life aren't quite going the way that I thought they would go. And, and I would tell you today is just pull away and hear the heartbeat of God again. Just pull away into that place of solitude, not... not, not not to just complain, but just to press into the heart of God and say, God, what do you want? Lord God, not, not my will, but your will. Lord God, your will today. Lord God, right now, I, I know that, that naturally things aren't quite going wrong, but I know that isn't the attack. The attack is spiritual. And God, today I'm pushing into you so that in the spirit realm today, that you will declare your favor and your glory over my life. Lord God, today that I will declare from a, from a point of, of you know, victory that you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. Yeah. Jesus turns up at the pool. He rocks up at the pool one Sabbath and sees a paralyzed man just sitting there. And he walks over to this paralyzed man and he's been there for years. And what would happen is an angel would come down and stir the pool and then whoever got in there first got healed. And this guy, he's been laying there for a number of years and Jesus walks up and knows this. And on the Sabbath, he says to the, to the guy, hey, pick up your mat and walk. And, and for us, that's great. Jesus just healed someone. That's a miracle. He just walks into a situation where there is no hope, walks into a situation where someone has been hurting, someone has been paralyzed for so many years and just says, hey, stand up. The guy stands up, picks up his mat and walks. Don't you think you would all be celebrating? Yeah. Like, honestly, if you had a loved one, you know, that needs a miracle and God comes through and the miraculous miracle takes place. You're all up. You're telling everyone. You're going, man, this is amazing. This guy, Jesus, he came through. He just prayed for this guy. He just told him to get up and, and take his mat. You know what? The religious leaders of the day, the Jews of the day, were looking at him and going, you can't tell him to do that. What, what, what are you doing? What are you... What are you they didn't have an issue with the miracle. They had an issue with him picking up his mat. If you read the story, you weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. And, and so this whole situation takes play and, and they come to Jesus. You know, and Jesus hears about this and... and and he makes this statement in John 5, 19. Is that Jesus answers them and says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he, 
sees the Father do. For whatever, the, whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. The reason I make that statement is that Jesus spent time with God before it happened. The miracle would never have taken place if Jesus didn't know. If Jesus hadn't spent time. Do you realise prayer is a relationship with God? If we had a set culture, if we had to bring faith, healing, deliverance to a world that is hurting, then we need to know the heartbeat of God. We need to see the purposes of God before they happen so that we can speak in to whatever situation we end up in. Creating culture starts with prayer. The other thing I look at this and the religious leaders are there and they're, they're criticising Jesus. And there's one thing that I've found is this, is that basically do what you know in your heart to be right because you'll always be criticised anyway. You know what? If Jesus hadn't have healed that guy, they would have criticised him. They would have said, well, why, why, why didn't you heal him? Why didn't you pray for him? You, you call yourself God. Why didn't you? Sometimes we've just got to do what we know to be right. We've got to do what we know to be right. In creating culture, sometimes it takes us or it needs us to make a stand. Winston Churchill says this, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something in your life. I want to ask, how many people have got enemies right now? No one. Oh, just a couple. I want to encourage the rest of you, you need to get out more. You need to live on the edge. The last thing I want to be known for is just to be a good guy. Because the good guys, they never get the girls and they always die in the movies. <laughs> and I got the girl and I'm still alive. Just. Anyway. Ephesians 6, 10, 13. Says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And then the next verse says this, Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Having done all, stand. I, I hate, and, and I said this last Sunday night, I hate the statement, if you're not moving forward, you're not going anywhere. Like, in some ways, yes, it's true. But in other ways, sometimes you actually just have to stand. Do you realise that? Sometimes there comes a place where you just have to stand. It's like you try to go forward that way, you try to go forward, and it's like you're not going, but, but if you don't stand, you'll just go backwards. In this scripture, if you have a look, it says stand twice, that you may be able to stand against 
And then at last it says, having done all, stand. I look at this Scripture and I love that word stand. Because if you read through the Scripture, it says that we are supposed to stand from a point of victory. We've already won. And if you know you've already won, you can just stand on that. You can just stand. You know, standing is not a sign of weakness. You know, in standing, you hold ground. In standing, you bear weight. In standing, you are noticed. Yeah, if you stand still in the time of turmoil, if you just stand, people notice. They look in, they see your situation, but they look at the way you stand. You are noticed. You bear weight. You look at most families that there is someone within the family that, you know, when the family goes through a tragedy, there is always that one person that stands and bears the weight of the family. Sometimes the family loses a lost one. Sometimes they're going through a dire situation. But there is someone that will stand and will bring the family together. They are noticed. They bear weight. The same with the kingdom of God. There are those that stand. They bear weight. And in standing. And and in this scripture, as you stand, what happens is God fights for you. Do you realize that? Is that we're actually never called to fight. He fights for us. He's already won for us. So really, that scripture is just really about a defense stand. As I read through Ephesians 6, I can't help but notice where this verse is put, right at the end. It's the last chapter. It's the chapter after, wives, submit to your husband. Husband, love your wife, just as Christ loved the church. Two will collide and become one flesh. And children, honour your mother and father. It's like Paul was saying, as if you're going to raise a godly family, you need all the help you can get. And all the families said, Amen. You need all the help you can get. It's like he was saying, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's like he was saying, you know, you better be ready to fight. But if all else fails, just stand. Just stand. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. says this, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong. Stand steadfast, be brave, be strong. You know, today, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Let all that you do be done with love. Every time I read through this, it reminds me of my my upbringing. And I had a phenomenal upbringing. You know, I had, I've got a great family. But I, I do remember the disciplinary actions of my parents. And they were good. They were great. As if you did something wrong, you know, there were consequences. You had time out. You got a smack. 
And I, I remember the times where dad would walk in and he, he'd say the statement, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. As his belt would come off. I remember this one day vividly, my, my two sisters knew that they were going to get a smack. Not an abusive one, but they were never abusive. That, but they were going to get a smack. So before dad got home, they ran into the bedroom. They got all their undies and put all their undies on. Just to soften the impact. But you look at those things, and I can laugh, and sometimes it's like that. Is that all that we do needs to be done in love? I remember we went for a trip with another family that had six kids. We had six. They had six kids, so there was eight of them and six of us, and we're out on a boat. And I do remember this vividly. Like, one of the kids, I don't know what happened, and and he uh, did something. And I, I remember in front of all of us, his, his dad was giving him a smack. And just smacking him, and he yells out, Dad, Dad, stop now. Stop, 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 stop. The devil's out. <laughs> and it's like, like, I think, you know, parents, I just want to encourage you, if you don't discipline your kids, you know, you're giving them no memories like that. <laughs> like, but I remember those things that, and sometimes we need tough love. You know, we see the decisions of the loved ones around us and the closest, our closest friends. And, and you see them and you're like, oh, don't do that. Who knows that sometimes they don't listen to you. But sometimes you need to go to them and just have tough love and say, listen, it's wrong. You need to make a stand. You know, in these times, you know, we need to stand in faith. We need to be brave, do the right things, be strong, but let everything be done in love. Creating culture takes you standing. In the gospel, we see Jesus again. He spoke about, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. When it comes to creating culture, it, the first thing, it starts in prayer. The second thing, it just starts in standing. Standing on what God has spoken to you. Standing on His Word. Standing on His foundations. And in standing, in standing, people will start to see. People will start to know. Within the life of our church, it's the same is that people will know us by our culture. They'll know us by our words. They'll know us by our actions. They'll know us by our ability to stand in times of adversity. They will know. But it actually takes the church being able to stand. It actually takes us as individuals knowing what God has called us to stand for and believing with faith in our heart that we have the answer. With faith in our heart that He has called us to be a light, to be a beacon to all humanity that is hurting. I love reading through speeches and I was just reading through a speech that a world leader gave. 
I won't name the world leader because some of you will get offended. But he was talking about Polish history. And I'm interested in that because my wife's Polish. And whatever she's interested in, guys. <laughs> just a... He made this statement, or he, he spoke about the history of Poland and he made a reference to the 2nd of June, 1979. A million Polish people gathered around Victory Square for their very first Mass with the Polish Pope. That day, he makes in his statement, that every communist in Warsaw must have known that their oppressive system would soon come crashing down. They must have known it at the exact moment during John Paul II's sermon when a million Polish men and women and children suddenly raised their voice in a single prayer. A million Polish people did not ask for wealth, did not ask for privilege. Instead, one million Poles sang three simple words. We want God. We want God. Like, what would happen if the church with one simple word would just stand? With three simple words like that would just stand. What would happen if we would stand? Like it says in Ephesians. And with a prayer in our heart where we just say, listen, we just want God. We just want God to move over our nation. We just want God to move through our society. We just want God to move through every individual in our nation. We just want every individual to experience God for themselves. What would happen if we just stood and just prayed for that and we declared we declared and I, I look through what's happening in Poland right now and some of the constitutional changes some of the ethics things that they're bringing in if you read through it are biblical but back in 1979 a million people had mass with a pope. Yes, they are Catholic. Yes, they will be in heaven. So will we. <laughs> there might be a fence just so they think they're the only ones there, but it's okay. <laughs> but what would happen? But who would have thought in 1979 that their nation would change? And maybe that was the breaking point where individuals stood together collectively with a prayer in their heart and just said, God, we want you. We want you to rule. What would happen if we said that over our family? Lord God, we just want you to move over our families. Lord God, we just want you to move over our kids. Yeah, there are some things in your life right now that need to change. There are some things in my life that need to change. And the only way they're going to change is when I stand and I declare 
The only way they're going to change in your life is when you stand and you declare. And so this morning, I'd love the worship team to come up and and I hadn't planned this, but I would love it if we just all stand right now. And, and I don't know where you're at. I don't know what situation you're in. But this morning, I want to ask, will you give it to God? Will you declare? Will you stand and just say, God, here I am. All I want is you. And what I find is that when you say that prayer and you say, God, all I want is you, is that you get him and you get his heart. And when you get his heart, everything else changes. Is that when you get his heart, his cause becomes greater than your pain. And all of a sudden, because you're living in his cause, the pain you know, is still there, but it doesn't dictate the way you live your life. Instead, the way you live your life is in His purposes. Father God, today I thank You that we can stand before You And our prayer this morning is, God, we want you. We want you in our life. We want you in our everything. Lord God, give us your heart. Intertwine our hearts with yours today, God. Lord God, let us live out your cause so that we won't react to culture. We won't react to the turmoil that goes on around our life. We won't react to the situations that are out of our control. But God, we will react in faith, in love, in hope, in peace, Father. That we will bring righteousness. That we will bring truth. We will bring those things that are heavenly to earth. That they will become our cause. Lord God, give us the ability to stand. Stand upon your word. Lord God, and as we stand, that we will be weight bearers. Lord God, as we stand, that we will be pillars. Lord God, because we stand from a point of victory, from a point of what you've done in our lives, from the victory that you've taken, Lord God, that we are healed, we are saved, we are delivered. And out of that knowledge, Father God, we will stand. We will live victorious. Today, Father. For each and every one of us in this building. Let us have a revelation. A revelation, Father, as we come to a place where we will create culture. We will create your righteousness here on earth. We will live out who you've called us to be. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I would love to give an opportunity right now. You might know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You might have heard me speak today and give reference to Jesus. Jesus is our Saviour. He is our Lord. And we believe that He died on a cross. And like I, I said, is that as Jesus died on a cross, He was in the Garden of Gethsemane beforehand and on His knees He said, God, not my will, but Your will be done. And I, I believe that God was showing Him the faces of all humanity that He was going to save. He knew that today, a few thousand years later, that someone would make a decision, that He would make way for us to have a relationship with God. And in that moment, as He said, not my will, but your will be done, gave all humanity the opportunity to have a relationship with God. Because as He died on the cross, He said, it is finished. I've paid the price right now. And today, if you haven't got a relationship with God, all you need to do is believe in Jesus. That He made that way. And as you believe in Jesus, the Bible says that He will send His Holy Spirit to come and have a relationship, a helper, a comforter, to help you walk through life. Today, if you want to be included in this prayer, I would love, while every eye is closed, if you could just raise your hand, just so I know who I'm praying with. Just as I look across. Father God, you see every heart in this place. Lord God, for those right now that have made a decision, Father, I pray that you seal it with your Holy Spirit as they believe upon you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Saviour. Lord God, as they cry out and say, all I want is you. Lord, that you will come and meet with them. You will come and comfort them. You will come and rest within them, Father. Right now we declare, in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.